0: Go, ladies and gentlemen, big win over the Dallas Stars. We will get into that. But the news around Leafland, ladies and gentlemen, per Bob and Nick Alberga, there looks like a Western Conference team, which is what Bob said earlier today, which was poo-pooed by Darren Dreger online and on TSN this evening. And then Nick Alberga with the little tidbit, the Leafs and Calgary Flames talking a deal, possibly for a package of a forward and a defenseman, let the drum beating commence, I want, remember I said that penalty kill list, I want Blake Coleman, ladies and gentlemen, I know he has no movement clause, I know Peter, not our guy Pete the Heat, but Peter Baraschini, we were talking about this online, I know he does, but guys can wave those things, and he can come to Toronto, and be happy as a Maple Leaf and really help bolster our penalty kill and really that snarl that we want. And then, of course, Tan has come to Riley, move Brody down. Oh, the possibilities, Clark. It's trade season. But when it involves the lease and people start saying it's happening, or there's movement, or there's actual tangible stuff to talk about there, it gets me excited, Clarky. What do you think of all this chatter?
1: oh dude this is this was what fuels me as a hockey fan I love the I love the speculation I love the rumors especially when there's a little bit of smoke to it because like James anybody can throw out a rumor at any point in time during a regular season but when more than one person is saying kind of the same thing and they're of of note they're notable people they're not just fans like you and me because we can James you and me can tweet out anything anytime we want but when it's notable guys with the reputation and they're putting listen these- I
0: believe you when you say it buddy come on man. I you know what? I have had a
1: source here and there, uh, but I don't get them often. So if I if I ever tweet anything like that, there's a good chance it's happening. <laughs> but uh, no, I you know it's a good, it's always fun. And um, the the thing about the Leafs this year that that's really interesting is we talked about it a lot. And Sheldon Keefe just kind of blew up blew the doors off the building by saying, uh, you know, consistency has been a big problem with this team, and we've talked about it all season long. It's it's been their biggest issue, I think. Um, is that we don't see the same team night in and night out. And we, we often feel like, as fans, we're getting uh, not as much as we would like from these guys. Um, and what the that leads to is a little bit of, uh, and I think this was my message on the show a couple of weeks ago when we talked about this, but a little bit of confusion about the direction of the team. Where is this team? What is this team? Uh, what's the identity? Is this a team that's worth giving up first-round picks to go bolster? Uh, is it maybe a season you don't do that? Do you reward these guys for what they've given so far? Uh, they're barely in a wild card spot. They did get a little bit of help tonight because the Lightning lost, uh, and they also lost Sergeyev, and they lost Sergeyev. So they got a little bit of help tonight, out of town scoreboard um, wise. But at the same time, they're barely in a wild card spot. So the 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 fan in me that says, okay, we want to see some stuff go down. I want to see them bolster. I want to see them bolster every year. Why not? That they're in a window. We haven't as fans, you know, you and I, James were about the same age. You're a little bit older, but we're in the same generation. Uh, you
0: don't, don't
1: <laughs> we're in the same generation. We, we, we yeah. have lived through the same eras more or less.
0: Listen, uh, I'm absolutely in my prime.
1: Okay. There you go. Nice. Well done. Uh, We've lived through the same eras, more or less. And as fans in our generation, we haven't seen a uh, a precedent of success as this group has put together in the last six or seven seasons. I want to see this team go for it every year. I don't even care where they're sitting in the standings right now. Go make this team better. I want to see it because that's, that's a greedy fan. But there's also the side of me that says <clears throat> maybe this isn't the year to do it and go all in and all out. But you know what? At the same time, I, I'm kind of the, I'm an agent of chaos. You know me, James. I love chaos. Go do something. Make something happen. Let's have some fun. You've been smiling. Do you know something?
0: I don't know anything <laughs> as of yet, but uh, okay, <laughs> um, I'm smiling because I look at it like this and say, okay, you're talking about windows. You're talking about maybe you shouldn't spend the assets, but how about this? How about you allow this to be a course correct for the decisions you made in the offseason? How about you allow this to be the moment where you give this team the tools that it needs in the deficient areas that you subtracted from from the offseason? Because the penalty kill was one of the better things. And I made this video just the other day talking, is it the GM or is it the coach? And here's the thing, the coach had this team with a pretty good penalty kill and pretty good defensively the past few seasons. But right. all of a sudden, now with the players in the mix, it's a lot different for this team. So if you're Mr. Brad living, maybe you have to augment this line and owe it to the coach to do so and spend those assets. And who knows? You do those things, you fix the deficiencies, you cut down the high danger chances, and all of a sudden you're looking like the Edmonton Oilers. Smack, you're rolling. And you're dealing and you're wheeling and everybody starts feeling that this team can do something yet again. So for me, yes, spend the assets. Course correct mid-season. Get your ass into the spot you want to be and let's go. This is the Maple Leafs, baby. You need to be in the playoffs and you need to be fired up and ready for an Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, and a William Nylander on a nightly basis.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, I saw a tweet from... Oh, boy, who was the tweet from? Let me just find it really quick. It, um, it, I just liked it, so it'll be at the top of my likes. It was uh, basically a tweet that said, you know, the last 10 goals scored by the Maple Leafs. Here it is, Jonas Siegel. Uh, Tavares, Matthews, Benoit, Marner, Tavares, Nylander, Tavares, Matthews, Marner, Nylander. And, James, what have we talked about? What has been one of the biggest issues? It's not. It's not that the big boys aren't scoring because they all are having nice seasons, if not it's great.
0: the extras.
1: It's the other guys. And we. you know what? I will say this for tonight's game. I know maybe we're skipping ahead a topic or two here on the, on the menu board. But for tonight's game, I thought all the extra guys played actually quite well. Uh, the fourth line I really liked tonight, uh, Ryan Reeves, I thought when he was on the ice, I thought he was making an impact. I thought Bobby McMahon was being a pest out there. Uh, Holmberg thought, drawn penalty. Holmberg looked good he drew a penalty like yep uh I thought the third line was out there making things happen just didn't quite get on the board
0: um but it here's is the one thing can I jump in on what you're yep. talking yep. about the guys doing good tonight yep. here's yep. one thing Sheldon Keith did well tonight Domi was rewarded for a strong play he got a few shifts with Matthews and Marner what a shocker what have we talked about on this show if a guy is having a strong game. Elevate him and let him play with guys who are having an equally strong game to put him in a position to succeed. What is that so, like, hard to do for? It was great tonight. And Domi had the wheels going all night because he got those extra cookies. It's nice to reward a guy. Another guy, reward Nick Robertson. That yeah. guy's working his bag off and doing different things. Give him an opportunity. But we will uh, we'll move – to that part of the sandwich board in a little bit, but yeah, you continue, my friend. My apologies for jumping in.
1: No, I just you know, I thought the extra guys, the bottom six, I thought had impactful games tonight. Maybe they didn't score and get on the board, but I thought they all played pretty well. Um, and uh, you know what, Sammy, uh, again, I, I know we led in four tonight, one was on a shootout or a penalty shot, I should say, but um, I, I you know, I, he did enough to win. I thought he had a nice game, so this is what we were talking about before last again, the Islanders game. This is what we were talking he about saved
0: in key moments.
1: Big saves and key moments, and he had a night, he had a I would say a solid, solid game against the Islanders tonight. He played well enough to win. He didn't make any huge mistakes. Um, I don't think. I think their goals, you know, they were okay, they were fine. There was maybe the one that kind of went under his glove wasn't great, but there was traffic in front. So uh, but at the
0: same time, I do believe it was either McCabe, Ben, it was someone who was on the defensive core, had their hand down, yeah, which made it indicate that they were trying to block that shot, which is why the shot dipped under his glove because he didn't have time to move it down, seeing that defender in the way. So that one, I mean, yeah, it's just positioning. But at the same time, you're looking at what's in front of you and what's in front of you is your teammate's glove.
1: Yeah, exactly. So main point there is I think Sammy's playing still very good hockey from uh, before the All-Star break. I think that's continued. Obviously, he's let in a few goals, but I think he's played at least well enough for this team to win. Now, what we need is not to have to rely on the top six every single game. It's great that they're doing it. I love that. But if you bring in a guy, and if this could happen, and uh, I, I don't know, is it on the board? No, we'll just bring it up right now. There's rumors out there that that the Leafs and the Flames are are in deep on something, on some sort of talk. Oh, well, it is on the board. It's the first topic. Uh, we already uh, talked about it. We moved on. Yeah, we're going back to it. If the Leafs and the Flames are on the board or deep into a talk, uh, and you can squeeze out a guy. Well, obviously, they, they're looking at one of their defensemen. Totally understandable. Hannafin, Tanev, one of those two probably. Totally get it. If you can squeeze out a guy like Blake Coleman, who has 40 points this year, 20 goals, 20 assists, and he's a, he's a past, he's, I would say he's Tyler Bertuzzi times two in terms of what he does on the ice and, and getting under people's skin. Because Tyler Bertuzzi, to me, and I've said this on the show, this isn't the first time I'm saying this, has been a little bit of a... I'm not going to say a disappointment because he hasn't been bad.
0: We're going to talk about Burt. We have a okay, whole yeah, yeah. I'll, segment I'll plan for Burt. My
1: main point is if they can get a guy like Blake Coleman, who has a 20-goal season going, uh, and he has a history of the success in the playoffs, etc., etc., or Andrew Mangiapane, who is a really solid scorer in this league, even though maybe he doesn't have the great numbers this year. But if you can get a guy like one of those two, and I think they want a center. is not a center, but that's not the point. If you can get some uh, scoring bolstering or some boosting in the secondary scoring department, uh, Andrew Mangiapane, good. Uh, is he from London? I think he played for the Knights back in the day. Uh, I do believe on, so, my friend. He's an Ontario boy, so you bring him home. Uh, and I, I think one of those two guys would be a huge boost to this lineup. It, they, they just need something in that bottom six to, to help the scoring because – as much as we talk about the defense help or the defensive struggles and the goaltending struggles that have happened throughout the season maybe not as of late thankfully but throughout the season i think secondary scoring is almost a bigger problem and i'll i'll die on that hill
0: secondary scoring is a huge huge issue and we will get into that here i do want to say for the islanders game it probably was their best no win of the season they fell asleep a little bit in the second period The one goal by Samsonov, the breakaway goal by McLean, it looked like he lost his net. He didn't get back far enough. If he didn't lose his positioning there, he had his leg in the right position to stop that puck. He just needed to be sliding back more, and the push wasn't there. That is something we did discuss with Kevin Woodley. I'll go back to that interview a lot because he talked about those things with Samsonov. So if you want a really good deep read into what Samsonov does – Go listen to that episode. He will tell you some of those things that he's deficient in, and that was one of them right there. But we'll move forward from the Islander game and just keep the good vibes going, sort of speak. Because the Dallas game tonight, for me, was one where guys were picking up their guys. McCabe got hit, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Benoit stood up for his guy. Giordano got nipped for the tying goal on a penalty shot because he took a penalty for the penalty shot. What did the boys do? Bam, respond, respond, boom. Leafs are back up by two. So in response, so many times the Leafs are the ones getting responded on. They score, they go ahead, the team comes back. This time the Leafs flip the script and they were starting to do those responding things, which is great. The only issues from this Dallas game, and I tweeted about it tonight, was the fact that they are giving those muffins those damn light, soft clears. Guys, I think the Maple Leafs honestly need to have an entire practice of just that area of the ice, rimming it off the glass, just getting it up and out of the zone hard. Get the clear, because it led to a goal tonight, and it led to multiple chances, but they're soft on the half wall in your own zone, They flick it towards the blue line, hoping it sputters out. Luke Shen was one who said it last year. These guys are afraid to use the glass. Use the glass. It is your friend. If you need to dedicate a whole practice to making guys understand, that's a way to clear the puck. So you do not have that offensive pressure and the puck gets out of your zone, whether it's on penalty kill, the end of game like tonight, because that led to the goal that put them within one. Just figure it out. But that is something that needs to happen. It is a very easy but crucial part of the game. But it's like Luke Shen said, these guys look like they're afraid to use the glass. Use it. Get it out of the zone. That's what you need to do to alleviate the pressure. It's not a shocker, and a lot of teams do it. And that's the reason why they don't have all those scoring chances. And it's the reason why the Leafs are one of the top teams and high-danger scoring chances against, folks. That clear. I will drill that forever. Get it out of your zone. I screamed tonight. Get it out.
1: Yeah, especially in that last bit, for sure, those last three minutes or whatever when the net was empty. There was a couple times for sure where, you know, they tried to push it up the middle or something. And you Bertuzzi know,
0: did it tonight. It was yeah. so
1: angry. Marner, I think Marner maybe did it once too. Uh, Rod Peterson, uh, who I work for, shout out Rod, uh, tells this great story about he did a sportsman dinner. He was hosting uh, or emceeing a sportsman dinner. And Ray Bork was there or something along the lines. He met Ray Bork one night and he was talking to him and he said, you know, I was a big fan of your career. Um, You know, you're obviously one of the most productive defensemen, you know, et cetera, et cetera, talking about all the points he put up. And he said, "Uh, you know, is there something about your career that you think people don't talk about enough? I think that's how he worded it. And Ray Bork said, you know what? Off the glass and out. That was my thing. That's how I made it as long as I did in my NHL career. It wasn't because of the points wasn't because of my passing or anything like that. It was because I could get the puck off the glass and out a thousand times a season and eliminate scoring chances and, and zone time for the other team. That was his secret. That was what he said. It was his his, his most, um, his most strength, his biggest strength as a defenseman was it being able to do that. Not all the points that Ray Bork of all people put up. It was, it was just the fundamentals of getting the glass up and out and, or off the, off the glass up and out. And, you know, that's such a overlooked thing, I think, in today's age because everyone always is, in today's uh, era, is always trying to make the play or make a good pass or push the puck forward. But, you know, sometimes the easiest play and the simplest play is just to get it out safely. And uh, it's overlooked a lot this day. So, James, I think you're on to something there.
0: Yeah, it might be. It might be on something. Well, speaking of being on to something, our friends over at the Hockey Podcast Network, they partnered up with DraftKings. And I don't know if you know, but this weekend it's Super Bowl 58. And DraftKings Sportsbooks has you covered. New customers can bet on the big game and turn 5 bucks into 200 bucks instantly by all of the prop bets they have. Check one out. Throw some money down. Have some fun on Super Bowl Sunday. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code THPN. New customers can bet five bucks, get two hundred dollars instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl fifty eight. With code THPN, the crown is yours. Gambling problem, call one eight hundred gambler or visit www1800 eight hundred gambler.net in New York. Call eight seven seven eight hope NY or text hope NY four six seven three six nine. In Connecticut, help is available for your problem gambling. Call triple eight seven eight nine. 777 or visit ccp.org please play responsible on behalf of boot hill casino and resort in kansas 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in ontario bonus bets set to expire 168 hours after issuance cdkng.com football for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gambling resources so check it out for the super bowl get on in there but the leafs tonight had themselves their own little Super Bowl conundrum, shall we say, with McCabe. And I'm going to say this. He got hit right in the bowl. It smashed right in his nose. Blood down his face. It was a late hit. That chintzy little call they called Holmberg on off the faceoff. And you have this, a late hit that draws blood and nothing. You have a linesman who clearly saw what happened. The ref even conferred afterwards when McCabe was lighting him up to see what happened they obviously knew they missed it there's nothing they can do beyond that point but i believe mccabe had a huge gripe there and had every right to be goddamn well pissed off because that was one that was missed and i love to see the anger and the energy and i love that ben was took up for his guy and multiple guys including mccabe himself were going after the guy who laid the hit in mason marshman i like that a lot it showed a lot of character out of the guys do you think McCabe had a gripe on this one, or am I out to lunch?
1: No, I think there's definitely something. To it. I saw the replay. I didn't see it live as it happened, uh, but I did see the replay of it. Uh, you know, not only did he move the puck out of the out of the area, but he also did like a full 360 spin too. He he got it out on his backhand, turned around, turned back around, and then got hit. Like it was, it wasn't just late. It was like late, very late. Um, so he absolutely has something there, and. Um, you know Holmberg you know got a penalty earlier in the game for kind of just bumping into a guy battling for a puck possession or battling for puck position I should say Uh, and it's just kind of you know it's it's really disappointing uh, to see that obvious and blatant of a call get completely just missed Um, so yeah absolutely he has something absolutely absolutely has something to be upset about and I'm glad that everybody jumped in there and kind of had a few words because it was necessary at that moment and uh, we've seen it a little bit more and more lately with guys having a few words uh, in defense of their team. And you mentioned it a little earlier with the, the not only, you know, with fists and, and, and face washes. Oh, I'm giving a thumbs up, James. I got the thumbs up again. I don't know. I don't know how this works. I love it. Um, it's yeah. I don't know how it works, <laughs> but you, you know, it's not just with the fist. You said it today earlier earlier in the show uh, on the scoreboard too. They are able to do it as well. So uh You know, good on the boys, and uh, you love to see it, and I hope you see even more of it going forward.
0: Well, one thing I really liked, and this is something that really has fired up the boys in the past, and the guys love it when this happens. I've talked to multiple players from different leagues, different teams, and when a coach goes after the ref and just blows a damn gasket, I'm talking Pat Burns-style throwing stuff on the ice. I'm talking Pat Quinn going red in the face, looking like he's about to have a heart attack. I remember when those guys did that. And the guys on the bench, they responded to that. They loved the fact that their coach was ready to rip a strip off the ref and didn't care what the fine suspension or anything was. You got a guy like that, you're willing to play for him. And Keith tonight, to his credit, went after the refs multiple times and even was still animated in the third period when they were talking to him before the puck dropped. He did not like it and he was not letting it go. And he was letting his guys know, I got your back in this situation. And I think that's a trash and horseshit call. And he was there for it. So I absolutely love it out of Kiefer. And hey, if you're willing to run through the wall for yours, maybe, like I tweeted tonight, maybe your players will start running through the wall for you too. Hopefully they do. But one guy, one guy, man, <clears throat> that really, I don't know, Clark, it has to be the most unluckiest player on the planet Earth is Tyler Bertuzzi. The amount of just sheer, like, you could have a tap in here. Alone in front of the net tonight, and it goes wide. When he deeks the goalie out of his jaw strap. Like, all of these things. All of the fumbles. And then, of course, tonight he had to muffin up the boards to give away that led to a goal. All of these things for him. It just seems like nothing can go right for him. We talked on the weekend about him cutting his locks and maybe that giving him some good juju. It seems like it's even worse, Juju, right now. Like, he was fumbling and bumbling tonight. Even worse than usual. And I just want to see this guy pot one or two and really kind of start to shake the negativity. You look at JT. JT got rolling, and he's still rolling. He's dealing now. He's feeling it. That needs to happen for Burt. But, man, he's got to be the most unlucky guy ever.
1: Well, and here's the biggest problem with that, James, is that, yeah, he may be, but I think... Two things. Tyler Bertuzzi is a guy. Oh, I'm gonna thumbs up again. Let's see if it'll work again. Tyler Bertuzzi is a guy. There it is. <laughs> who I think he makes his own luck on the ice, and you know the way he plays is why he's successful and why he has been successful in his career. And uh, with the um, with the Bruins, with the Red Wings, et cetera, et cetera. When he is being his best, it when he is playing his best, it is when he is being a pest. Ooh, that could be like a T-shirt. When he's at his best, he's being a pest, and I think there's been an element of that that I, this is what the biggest disappointment for me with Tyler Bertuzzi this year is I just haven't seen as much of that element of his game as I've wanted to. I've, I've wanted him to get more involved in scrums. I've wanted him to get under more guys' skin. Has he been forechecking? Yeah, you know what? He's been an okay forechecker. He's, he's hard on the puck, et cetera, et cetera. But I've seen him avoid contact a lot this year. And that's been really disappointing. I thought he was going to be finishing checks, uh, you know, hitting guys late like we saw tonight with McCabe, Um, you know, stuff like that. Like, the Bertuzzi that I was hoping we were going to get was like a Brad Marchand where he's doing stuff where you're like, how does he keep getting away with this? Uh, And I just haven't seen that as much. Number two, he's making five and a half million dollars. And he he's a big part of this secondary scoring problem that we've been talking about, uh, because he just simply hasn't been doing it this year. He needs to step up. He's getting paid as a, as a 25, 30 goal scorer. That's that's how much money he's getting paid. And what's he at now? Like eight, something along the lines. Um, And that's just straight up not good enough for what he's getting paid and what role he's supposed to be having on this team as a top six left winger. He started the season as the number one left winger on this team and has been demoted since. And it's just, uh, you know, is he unlucky? Sure. But at the same time, like I said, I feel like he's the type of player that makes his own luck. And he just hasn't been the Tyler Bertuzzi that we think, I think the Leafs have needed uh, this season. And that's frankly all there is to it. I, I think he has more to give. I don't know what it is, but I think he has more to give. And that's a big reason why I think he's not at 20 goals right now. He should be at at that level. He's been given every opportunity to do so outside of maybe not having power play one time. That's maybe part part of it. He doesn't get that power play one time. Uh, But at the same time, you got to earn that stuff too. Uh, And it's really hard to knock off a $55 million power play unit. That's the other
0: part, and, and there's the other thing, right? I mean, I've been griping about breaking up the power play units to get some fluidity, and then tonight, of course, they go off for three. So now yeah. I'm sitting here looking like a you know <laughs> someone who doesn't know what he's talking about. But at well, the same I could have
1: told you that. Listen here, <laughs> listen
0: here, listen. Breaking up the power play unit still makes sense to me. Putting Tyler Bertuzzi on that first one might be an idea. Put you know Plunk his arse right in front of the net and just have him battle, just yeah. battle, battle, battle. And, you know, you don't have to keep it that way either. You can shake it up. You know, you can just make it different looks for different teams. Maybe you know a team that's weak down low in the home plate area. You know, where they show you that graphic. Maybe you put him in there and that's where he battles, where JT kind of doesn't do that right now. Maybe that's what you do. But anyways, yeah, I kind of agree with you. He needs to make more of his own opportunities. But at the same time, you know, I wish they would give a guy like Nick Robertson, who is making more of his own opportunities, an opportunity to shine because I think if he was given all the looks that Bertuzzi's been given, he may be already a 20-goal guy because the limited stuff, he's still pacing with Nyes, who plays more than him and has played more games than him. So I'm looking at like "Mm, maybe you give Robbie some more opportunity and that guy starts to show you what he can do too.
1: James, I just want to pause for a sec here. This is a necessary moment. Jake McCabe with the belt tonight.
0: My God, that's the picture for the pod tonight.
1: Yeah. Get it Actually,
0: on. I will I will make a full uh, admission while you were talking. I was grabbing the picture for the pod tonight, and it was that one.
1: Oh, yeah. I think
0: the belt takes it. Yeah, the belt one's better. So I'm yeah. going to go with the belt one.
1: Yeah, they just posted it. Uh, who was it? Uh, oh, the Leafs. The Leafs themselves. <laughs> who was who, it, What's the source? Us, the Leafs.
0: <laughs> yeah. We got it, guys. We got it. Yeah. We're covered.
1: Yeah, I'm scrolling Twitter right now just to see if anything's going on, but it uh, doesn't look like we got any late-night action at the moment. So,
0: Oh, no. I will top-tier you. They actually have a co-belt picture right now.
1: Yeah, well, that's that was the picture I used. I just zoomed in on Jake McCabe. Oh, but... no,
0: you need both of them, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Benoit.
1: Yes, um, Benoit
0: has been amazing. All right, let's move to a defenseman yeah, who say. hasn't been so amazing this season in Timothy yeah. Littlegren. Um, this guy right here, I want elevated minutes for him. I want this guy to shine. Obviously, we kept him over Rasmus Sandin. He does not look like the guy that we hoped he's going to be. And, I mean, we do have Laguson waiting. We do have Timmins waiting. Obviously, these guys aren't getting in the lineup for some sort of reason. And I do believe Timmins will be packaged in a deal going out the door, whatever the deal may be. But for me, I want more out of Lilligren. But if you're bringing in a defenseman, and all of a sudden on that side of the board – you move down Brody, then put just say Tanov. And then you move down another guy. Does that squeeze now Lilligren out of the lineup? And now is Lilligren going to be part of the package going somewhere else? Because right now they are trying to elevate him, but it's not working. He's not looking like he's fitting.
1: I've had, I've had a lot of thoughts on Timothy Lilligren over the year, and he is now entering my, this guy has a contract that can be moved territory. Uh, And it's unfortunate, but like you said, James, uh, we're at a position now where he's a valuable asset for a trade because he is—he's a—he's a a good enough player. He is, but let's also be honest with ourselves: Is Benoit getting moved from McCabe? Probably not. No. At this point, is Giordano locked down the third pair left spot? Probably. Uh, And Morgan. I
0: still like to see him in a rotation load management kind of style. Sure,
1: and I and we probably will, but we have a couple depth guys. You said Lagusin's name, etc., etc. Yeah, uh, I think there's a real, real opportunity here for Timmins and Lilligren to get moved in separate deals. A because they do have a little bit of money on their contracts. Uh, Timmins is at 1.1 million, Lilligren's at 1.4 million, uh, which would help in bringing money back in. Obviously, is getting that little extra bit out the door. Um, and if you bring in a Tana, for example, uh, or an Adam Larson, or whoever ha- Hannafin, whoever it happens to be, whatever the name is. Like you said, Riley's going to play with that player. Uh, Brody's going to get moved down to the other pair. Because I don't know if you talk, is McCabe, Benoit the second pair at this point? Do, do they stay together? Hard, it's hard to say. If, if you take Benoit off of McCabe, you put him on the third pair, and that's your that's your rotation spot with Giordano, Benoit and Giordano. Uh, but how do you take Benoit out? He's been such a solid player. Uh, yeah, he,
0: he's been – but the fans love him. The players yeah. love him. Yeah. You know, he's hitting bodies, he's blocking shots, he's, he's doing, doing everything right. Before.
1: He's doing everything right. Uh so it's hard to envision them taking him out right now unless they do some major upgrades here. Uh but if you're putting Riley with new player, McCabe with Benoit, and Giordano with Brody, Liljegren doesn't have a spot. Neither does Timmins. So and then Legacy is a totally capable seventh pair or seventh defenseman. Um so I I truly believe that Timmins and Lilligren can and maybe should be packaged in separate deals. I don't think in the same deal, but in separate deals as a, a little bit of a contract going out, but also some value uh, to bring in a player as well. And I'm talking about a Tanev, uh, maybe a Tanev Coleman package from the Flames, or uh, maybe it's a Zadorov from the Canucks because they might want to get cheaper. So if you trade Timmins to the Canucks and get Zadorov, for example, or Lilligren, maybe not Lilligren to the Canucks, but Timmins to the Canucks, because yeah, they're looking to shed some salary cap, for example. Uh, or the Seattle Kraken, who are maybe looking to get a little younger. Lilligren in a package for Adam Larson, for example. Uh, these are the types of moves that we have to start thinking about as a fan base if we want to upgrade the blue line. Lilligren, I think, is at the point now where he's going to have to be included because I just don't think he's found a spot on this roster. It was very similar to Sandine what the reason he moved. And let's be honest, James, I don't know if you've looked. Rasmus Sandine isn't having a great season either in Washington. Nope. Like his numbers are not mind-blowing. I don't think we're missing him at this moment um because I think, you know, a guy like Benoit has fit this roster a lot more than what Rasmus Sandine would this season.
0: A nice stay-at-home defenseman. Yeah. Nothing flashy oh. but there to get it done.
1: I'm at a point now where I am totally on board with Timothy Lilligren being included to bring in a player. Now, if he is included, would you like that player to have some uh, some term on their contract maybe? Probably, but at the same time, I think we're at a point where um, if you want to keep some draft picks, that's that's the that's the exception to the rule. Is you got to move Lilligren and Timmons and I think again, my prediction if I can make one today, is that they will be in two separate trade packages uh, before the trade deadline this season. Those two guys will be included. Uh, And I think they'll be bringing in somebody, maybe even two guys, and we'll see what that ends up uh, looking like. Uh, In terms of defensemen specifically, I'm not even talking about the forwards they might bring in, uh, but they could be involved in a forward trade as well. So we'll see, but I think they're both out the door.
0: I fully agree with you. And, you know, it sucks because you do put stock in guys that you've watched kind of come along and develop and hope they turn into something good. But, hey, if they turn into an asset that brings in something better through the door, that also can help you out in the long run as well. But, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to put a bow on it. 33 minutes. Let's go. Make sure you drop a subscribe. Go follow Clark Monroe. Go follow Dylan Fournier. I'll make sure to drop the handles. I got to get better at that at dropping them in the post-show notes. But ladies and gentlemen, you know what it is around here. This right here, it's Offside Hockey Talk, where the Maple Leafs and hockey come to talk. <laughs>